It's good to see you here this morning. It's uh, interesting weather we're having outside. One day is beautiful, the next day it gets cold, and tomorrow's supposed to be raining. Somebody said maybe even snow on Tuesday, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those from Amarillo would say that, right? (laughs) So, we have some really neat and interesting news from our family this morning, and so I get to share that with you this morning, and I share it through a picture. As many of y'all know, that's my granddaughter Hadley that lives in Austin, Texas, and so yesterday they, they announced that uh, she's going to be a big sister, and coming in August, I love this last picture they're going to show, that shows her personality. She loves to laugh. She is such a giggle, man. So here's another thing that's interesting. I, I, you know, you, you, you learn something new every day, right? Right? Okay. So I learned something new this week. Uh, Tuesday was Claudia's birthday. Uh, my wife and I went to lunch, and we were talking about the, re- the, the baby coming, and, and we are talking about the reveal party, because tomorrow, her, my daughter and son-in-law um, have a small group at the church they go to, and they meet on Monday nights, and they're going to have their small group, and then they're going to have the reveal party. And so they was all excited about it, and so I said, well, what's, what is the baby? I mean, I want to know now. And, and Claudia says, you're silly, Brett. You don't you understand how a reveal party works? (laughs) And I said, obviously not. (laughs) So here's what I thought all along. I thought the reveal party worked like this. I thought that the couple knew and was revealing to the world what the baby was. Little did I understand, that's not how it works at all. So in a reveal party, two, uh, this week, my daughter went to the doctor. She received an envelope from the doctor, sealed. Took it, she took it to her good friend, who's part of this uh, small group. And this friend and one other friend are the only ones that know at this point what the baby is. And on Monday night, they will reveal to all of us, the couple, my son-in-law and my daughter included. And I'm like, really? That's how it works? <laughs> so... I applauded my daughter in this sense because, you know, if it were me and I were walking out that doctor's office, I'd be ripping that envelope open. And I, what is this child, you know? You're not waiting until Monday a week from now, you know? So we're excited. We're great excited. We have our second grandchild on the way. And yes, some of you are probably already thinking, okay, he wore blue because he's hoping for a grandson, right? Actually, that's not the case. I already had planned to wear blue and... Um, uh, my daughter's doing this little informal bet thing, and I am the only one so far uh, cheering for another granddaughter, and everybody else wants a grandson, and so we'll see who wins tomorrow sometime, you know, <laughs> when it is revealed, you know. <laughs> All right, let's get into God's Word today. Ruth chapter 3, we've been going through this sto- uh, study of Ruth. Ruth is a story of love and loyalty. We've been looking at several different parts of it. Week one, we talked about chapter one was choices. We looked at it a little bit differently than and sometimes. And we talked about everybody in that chapter had a choice to make. And depending on their choices, consequences of their choices. Last week, anybody remember the key word last week? I put you on the spot. Hesed, loving kindness. The Hebrew word is hesed, and the word is loving kindness, how God loves us in such a wonderful way. Uh, We're going to see that again today. And then today, the title of the message today is A Choice of Love. 
a choice of love. The, the key theme today is love, and we're going to look at the different qualities and characteristics of love, and we have a choice to make, which is to love. So uh, listen as I read chapter 3 for you, okay? Beginning in verse 1, chapter 3, here's what it says. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you may be well provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his workers. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath, put on perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished his meal. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do then. I will do everything you have said, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished his meal and was in good spirits, he lay down beside the heap of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He demanded. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, exclaimed Boaz. You are showing more family loyalty now than ever, than ever before by not running after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are an honorable woman. But there is one problem. While it is true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, then let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will marry you. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Boaz also said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured out six scoops of barley into the, the cloak and helped her put it on her back. Then Boaz returned to town. Then when Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has followed through on this. He will settle the matter today. Ruth chapter 3 Title of the message today is A Choice of Love. We're going to talk about love today. And, and you know, when you start talking about love, you, you begin to think of, okay, what is love? I, I think actually the better question would be, who is love? Because the Bible tells us that God is love. It's part of his very essence. It's part of his very nature. It's who he is. God is love. But if you were to look around the world, the world will tell you a lot of different things about love. If you look to Hollywood, you know what Hollywood says? Hollywood says that sex is, is love. That's what they say. And, and a lot of things that the Bible would call immoral or immorality, Hollywood says that is love. Oh, that you would feel good, that you have great emotions, all those things. Hollywood sells it very differently and defines it very differently. 
Hallmark defines love too, don't they? <laughs> I mean, you go to a Hallmark store. You walk in and you'll begin to look around and you, you see all these cards and things, emotion and feeling and the ah moment. You know, that's love. And by the way, $6 cards as well. <laughs> My goodness, what happened, you know? They used to be like a buck or two. And I said that, and after the first service, somebody said, uh, you need to be going to Dollar Tree to buy your cards. <laughs> uh. The world will tell you love in one way. The world will tell you love is emotion and feeling and sex and all these things. The Bible says something very differently. The Bible has at least three words for love, maybe a, a few more. Three key words. The first one would be eros, which is the physical sexual love. And that's part of what is, it's spoken of in the Bible. And that's one. And then you have also the phileo love, which is brotherly love or kindred love. When you love one another as family members. And then you have agape love, which is godly love, which is, should be a part of our life every day, having this agape love. I actually, though, think that the best way to define love is to define it with the title that we've had. Love is a choice. L love is not a feeling. You ever say, heard somebody say to you, I just, I just fell in love? You know, what is love? A big hole in the ground or what, you know? <laughs> you don't just fall in love. You choose to love. God chose to love you and me. So much he sent his son for us. We choose to love. And, and Ruth chapter 3 tells us some really neat characteristics and qualities of love. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, even God. All of these show us different characteristics of love. Let's look at them today. First one is this. Love desires to give security. The first few verses, there's an interaction between uh, Naomi and Ruth. And, and I, I think what's really neat here is you see how much Naomi loves Ruth. And she says, I want to provide a permanent home. The translation I used was permanent home. Some of your translations will say security. Some of your translations will say rest. I'll define it here in just a minute. The key here is Naomi loved Ruth enough to provide for her, to care for her. It's interesting because this story here... Um, Theologians look at it with a couple of different angles. One angle is they, they look at it and say, Naomi did something that was really wrong. She had Ruth put on perfume, take a bath, put on her best, and go out to Boaz as though she were tempting Boaz to sin and to have sex with her right then. That's one, one group of thought, that she should have never done it that way. The other group of thought is that says, no, the reality is that that is part of what was culturally accepted when they were looking for the kinsman redeemer. They would go to the man and, and uncover his feet so that he would know that they're asking for him to be the kinsman redeemer. Now, I got to tell you, I did a lot of study and, and I'm, I'm not sure which way to go, to be honest. I kind of leaned toward the second way. But there is maybe some truth to the other. But here, over all of that, here is what I know. Naomi loved Ruth and wanted the best for her. That's what she wanted. She wanted the very best for her. That word security, 
It, it comes back to, if you remember in Ruth chapter 1, verse 9, Naomi speaks to her two daughter-in-laws and she says, uh, I pray that the Lord give you husbands and homes and, and children and you go back to your land. And so in one way, that prayer is being fulfilled in this passage and in the next passage as well. God is providing security for her. The word rest, if you, if you look at it that way, that it really means to be settled in life, to be secure in the aspect of having a home. That's what it means. Ruth was young. She needed a, a husband. And it was customary in that day and time, by the way, to, for parents to arrange marriages for their children. Now, I'm going to share with something very from a lot of wisdom right now. Don't try that today, okay? <laughs> when I pastored in Yuma, one of our leaders had four sons, and I had two daughters. And Albert and I, one day, we were talking, and we are like, man, this, this is great. Albert, let's just, let's just make the arrangement right now. <laughs> My daughters were still pretty young at that time. When they got a little older, both of them looked at me and said, no way, Dad, that's not happening, okay? <laughs> Don't try the arranged marriage today. But in that day and time, it was very common. Naomi, in her concern for her daughter-in-law, wanted the best for her. Remember, Ruth had been faithful to show her love to Naomi as well. And so she's wanting the best for her. And, and so this idea of love, desires, rest, security, permanent home. I wonder if we get that today in our, in our own lives. Husbands, we want security for our wives Parents, we want security for our children. Children, you want security for your parents as they grow older in age. But I want to ask you this question. This is very important to hear this right here. Listen to these questions right here. Do those whom you love find security in your love? Think about that for a minute. The people you say you love, do they truly find security in that love? Or are they always trying to earn your love? Wow, there's a huge difference. Will you listen to me? Security and earning. Where are you in that? Where, where, how, how do you treat others? Here's where it comes down to. True love cares and wants the best for others. That, that's what I, I, I really believe that. If you truly love someone, you care about them, and you want the very best for them. That's what Naomi is saying to Ruth. She says, I love you enough that you've taken care of me and you've done so much for me. I want to take care of you. I want you to have a husband. And if we would go a little step further, we would also know that God loved us so much that he cared for us and he gave us his very best. Amen? You're with me? You all awake? Come on. <laughs> all right. God loved us so much that he provided his very best, his son, to die for us. Love desires to give security. Here's another thing about love. Love submits and obeys. Oh, yeah, I said it. <laughs> we don't like to hear those words, do we? I mean, they come up in Ephesians chapter 5 as well, you know, and the, we, uh, I do a lot of weddings nowadays, and sometimes the wife-to-be, the, wife the bride will say, don't use those words. I've quit using those words a long time ago because they, they bring up so much baggage with them. But I, I think it's because we don't understand what those words mean. Love submits and obeys. When we understand loving security, then we'll be willing to submit and obey. 
First service, I kind of got off track here a little bit, so let me do just a little bit there. Ephesians chapter 5, it says to the husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died. And when husbands, when you love your wives enough that you would die for her, she would have no problem then submitting and obeying. Because your love is even greater than, than hers. You got to die. Okay? I'll stop. I could go on in Ephesians chapter 5, but we won't. We're in, in, we're in Ruth chapter 3. Okay. Ruth listens. Listen to this. Every detail her mother-in-law says, and then what does she say? I will do everything that you have said. Everything. I'll, I'll, I'll submit and I'll obey. Why? Because she knows Naomi loves her and wants the best for her. And by the way, wouldn't you do it too? If you knew that your mother-in-law was trying to provide a a home for you, a husband. I mean, think about it. Ruth is, is destitute. She's a widow. She's poor. She has nothing, has no one. And her mother-in-law loves her so much, she's trying to provide the very best for her, this hope for a future. I think all of us would take that step as well. We want best for people that we love, even when they don't understand it. Parents, we know this, don't we? When your child is about to make a mistake... And you say, I wouldn't do that. And even if they don't understand it, you still tell them, don't do it. It's their choice whether they listen or not and obey or not. But you love them so much that you say, this isn't the right path. This isn't the right choice. You ought to be careful. They have the decision to submit or not. But even if they don't understand, you share your love with them. Well, the Lord said it another way in John chapter 14, didn't he? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You guys are asleep today. Come on. Keep my commandments. He says, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. You will follow me. You will obey me. That's what he says. We don't like that word obedience. We don't want to be obedient many times. But the reality is love submits and obeys. And, and here's how I would like to say it to you. True love can be trusted. And when true love can be trusted, you will submit and you will obey. It's all based on that relationship of trust. When you truly trust, then you will submit. But that, that, that love has to be true. Do you love God? If you love God, you'll trust him and you'll submit to his will for your life. And you'll obey him. That old hymn, right? Trust and obey. For there is what? No other way. Here's the next one. Love gives and receives. Love gives and receives. Ruth gave a lot, didn't she? I mean, think about this. Ruth gave up her life back in Moab. She could have gone back home like Orpah did, but she didn't. She stayed to take care of Naomi. She gave up a life as, as a wife and a mother there in her homeland. She gave her time to care for Naomi Ruth gave a lot, and in turn, God is about to bless her by receiving something, a husband. True love gives and receives. When love is received, it continues to give. Ruth could have gone to, after younger men. In fact, Boaz says that, right? He says, you're blessed because you didn't do that. 
So Naomi, so Ruth obeys her mother-in-law and follows what she says to do. And she goes and she uncovers his feet and lays down. And all of a sudden in the middle of the night, he wakes up and he says, who's there? And she says, it's me, Ruth, your, your servant, but you are also my family redeemer. Will you give me that blessing? I think it's interesting. What we would see here is that true love is selfless. You see that in her life, in the life of Naomi. She was selfless. She could have done other. She could have gone back home. She could have gone after younger men. She could have just said, forget you, Naomi. I don't want to have anything to do with you. She could have done all these things, but she was selfless and stayed and committed her life there to that, and therefore she received a blessing in return. One of the things I see in Scripture is love always gives, and when it gives, it always receives in return. We don't, there's no way that we have to say that's why we give. I mean, I sure hope you're not giving so that you will receive something in turn, but that is the type of God we have, is it not? When we give, He gives back, and we receive in return. So I wonder today, have you learned that idea of selfless love? Have you learned the idea of getting no matter what, giving no matter what, giving and not thinking about receiving in return? That's selfless love. That's what uh, Ruth was showing in her walk, and therefore she was about to receive a blessing in return. Here's the next one. Love strives for purity. I'm going to hang out here for just a few moments. Love strives for purity. You see, Hollywood would tell us a, a totally different version of this story. And their, their version would be totally messed up. Hollywood would say that Ruth went out there and slept with Boaz in the, in the reaping fields. That's how they would have put the story. There's nothing about that there. In fact, there's no indication of that in Scripture at all, that anything physical happened here. In fact, if you'll read the verse, it says very clearly, she did not lay down beside him, she laid down at his feet and uncovered his feet. And then after he woke up and they had an exchange, it doesn't say all of a sudden she lay down beside him, it says that she continued to lay at his feet. The Bible is very clear what happened here. Hollywood would mess it all up. Because they have a different understanding of what love is all about. I don't know if you remember, a few years ago there was a campaign for our young adults and young teenagers. It was called True Love Waits. And I think that's the, the whole idea of this part right here is, true love waits. I mean, there, she was a woman of faithful integrity she was found herself, she was honored. In fact, when, this is interesting, when, when he wakes up and he says, the, the city knows that you're an honorable woman, it's the same word used in Proverbs chapter 31 for a godly woman. Wow, Naomi, a Moabite, was known as an honorable woman. And then look at his integrity. He could have taken advantage of the situation, especially in that day in that culture. He could have taken her right then if he wanted to. And yet he showed to be a man of integrity as well. You know, I got to tell you, I'm really bothered today by the fact that even Christians today are not following after God's plan for purity. You know, we're listening more to Hollywood than we are God's word. God's idea for sex is inside the realm of marriage. Period. That's it. No 
finagling around anything. That's it. That's what he says. That's his plan. And we ought to stand for his plan because his plan is the correct ideal. It's him. He's the one that invented it all in the first place, right? From the very beginning. So let's follow his plan, not Hollywood's plan. Now, for a moment here, let me help explain, because this is so different for us, this idea of the Leverite marriage. What, what is Naomi or Ruth doing here? We don't get this. It's not part of our culture, but it is part of their culture. When a man died and left a widow with no sons, then that widow could ask for the next closest kin, usually brother-in-law, to marry her so that two things, that the property would stay in his name and that she would have a son to carry on his the husband's name okay so that's what's going on here she is wanting this Levite marriage so that they could continue on the the family name but there's one catch here and this is something I learned uh, I've studied this passage many times and I never had caught this before the thing here is it wasn't the man that came to the woman and asked for it it's the woman that comes to the man and asks for the blessing of the Leverite marriage. That's exactly what she's doing. That's why she's coming and uncovering his feet as a symbol saying, will you cover me so that you will be my protector? Even today in Jewish marriages, there's a part of the ceremony where the husband, the, the, the groom will take the cloth that's on his back and he will stretch it out over his bride as a symbol saying, I will now be the one to protect you and provide for you. That is the symbol that's going on right here. And this is a huge risk for Naomi or for Ruth, right? I mean, remember, she is not even Jewish. She is Moabite. She's from a different land. And, and she really was not part of the covenant. And yet she comes and she says, I want you to cover me with the God blessing of the Leverite marriage. Culturally, she was, gonna, she was actually a servant and he was an employer. She's poor and he's rich. She's a woman and he's a man. And yet all of this, she put it aside because of the man, a woman of faith that she was, and she chose to follow this path. I love the way Boaz responds. He says, you're honorable. In fact, you've shown loving kindness to Naomi and now to me. And I love that because that's that word has said. It's the third time we find it in the book of Ruth. And not only now is it just the simple word of kindness, this is the word for godly loving kindness. He says, you have shown loving kindness to your mother-in-law, and now you're showing the same thing, that faithful love to me as well. And so I will do what you've asked me to do. And that comes to the next one. Love keeps its promises. Love will always keep its promises. He promises to do, in verse 11, whatever she asks, whatever has to be done. He tells her again that she is of a great reputation. The city knows that. And he says, I will do what needs to be done as a kinsman redeemer. But then he says, there's one problem. There's someone that's closer than I am. I've always found that interesting. Did Naomi not know that, you know? I mean, come on, Bethlehem's not that big of a town, all right? Did Naomi not know that there was this other guy over here, that he was the, the first in line to be the kinsman redeemer, which we, by the way, next week, we won't even really know who he is, you know? He's kind of a nobody. 
You got to think that she knew that Boaz wasn't the first. But here's what's happening. Boaz is the one who has shown all the great love and all the kindness by being there and saying, here, glean in my fields. Here, take all this leftover and even more to your mother-in-law. He's the one that has been showing the kindness. So it would be obvious that she would come and ask him to do it. And here's another interesting thing. In that verse there, when it says, he gave her all this barley, and then it says, and here, here, look at it very closely. It says, and then Boaz left and went to town. And some of your translations will say that, Naomi, that Ruth left and went back to her mother-in-law. Ooh, which is right. Both. You see, in the Hebrew, the word that's there is very generic. And so it's very hard to know, is that word speaking of Ruth going back to her mother-in-law or is it Boaz going into town? I tend to believe it's Boaz going into town. You know why? Because he's going to keep his promise. He's going to fulfill his obligation. And that's one thing I know. True love fulfills its obligations. And he wasn't going to waste any time. He's going to take care of it today. He's going to go in that moment. The sun's just coming up. He gives her the wheat. Sends her off back to Naomi and says, I'm going to go do what I'm supposed to go do. He's not dragging his feet. He's not wasting any time. He is fulfilling his obligation. And I wonder today, what about you? In your love, do you fulfill your obligations? Or do you just skate by doing the bare essentials? You see, when you married, however many years ago, you promised, for better or for worse, for sickness and in health. Are you fulfilling that promise? Years ago, when you had a child, you may have stood on a stage. It may have been this one right here. And you dedicated that child to the Lord. And you dedicated yourself to be a godly parent. I wonder, are you fulfilling that promise? Because true love fulfills its obligation. And then we see another one. This one, by the way, I I threw in just two days ago. I just wanted to add this in because I think it's part of the story and I had missed it. Love strives for patience. Love strives for patience. Ruth goes back to Naomi, and as she goes back to Naomi, and Naomi, all excited, what happened? They tell, she tells her the story, and she's like, don't worry about a thing. What does she say to her? Have patience, because he's a man of integrity, and he'll take care of the matter even today. He'll take care of the matter, which he did. We'll see the rest of that story next week. But what I believe it tells us here is, Love strives for patience. Another way to say it is, true love endures. True love will truly endure. Love is is not always easy. Uh, We can't say that. But years ago when you got married, you also said, or the pastor said of, of you, till death do us part. And that's an enduring love. Till death do us part. And then let's look at the last one, because the last one begins to talk about God. And the last one is love restores and redeems. Love restores and redeems. We see next week, we'll see a lot about the kinsman redeemer as we finish up the chapter four of Ruth. But here's one of the things I, I see about love, true love, begins with God, flows down to us, and then flows through us. Will you hear that again? 
True love begins with God because God is love. And then he flows that love down to us, and then it ought to flow through us. Last week, I read a little bit of 1 John 4, 7 through 11, but I want to read it again because that encompasses what I'm talking about here. Listen as I read these verses. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not know God, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that he might have, we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. And then I like verse 11. It summarizes and says, Dear friends, since God loved us in such a way, we surely ought to do what? Love each other. You see, real love comes from God. It begins with Him because He is love. And from there, it flows to us. And from us, it flows into this world. If there's one characteristic that we as Christians should be known for, it's godly love. Agape love. The love of God for everyone. You see, love is really a choice. It really is. You choose to love. True love is always going to be based on a choice. And then I want to say it this way. God chose to love you. So what's your choice today? Are you going to have that godly love a part of your life and spread it to others? Or will you be selfish and love only yourself? Will you bow with me as we pray this morning? Once again, Lord, I am so very thankful for your holy word. Thank you for teaching us today about your great, wonderful, amazing love. Lord, I pray today for everyone in this room that they would be sure that they have that amazing love relationship with you, that you are their Savior and their Lord. And then, Lord, from that point, help us to show the world your love your agape love. We thank you for your love and we ask that we would be a blessing to others through your love. Pray this in your name.